Welcome to the Quilt Shop Podcast, where we talk with quilt and sewing retailers from all across the country about the challenges of running their business and how they succeed. I'm your host, Spencer Wright. Hi, everyone, and welcome. We've got Susan Heider here from Heider Hangout in Cleveland, Tennessee. How are you doing, Susan? I'm doing wonderful. Weather's wonderful, and I hope you're doing good over there. Yeah, we're doing awesome. We're over here in Utah, so, you know, also getting a little bit warmer, but, you know, kind of nice to have those summer months coming up. Yeah. Well, Susan, I think we just kind of want to get into it as far as talking a little bit about you and your shop, you know, how we got here. So I know that kind of some of the origins were maybe an eBay shop in 2007-ish. Tell us about, you know, how you got here to having Hyder Hangout. Well, 2007-ish, I had eBay sales a little bit before that, but 2007, I actually had a whole bunch of fabric that I bought from a store that went out of business and I put it on eBay. 2008, I quit working as a nurse. Yay, yay. (laughs) (laughs) I I was a burnout nurse, so, you know, I didn't want to, didn't want to go back to work and I'm, you know, what's happened over the last few 20 years, 15 years is I'm glad. Sure. And then 2008, I actually opened a business in my basement. I had one of them big, huge, lighted, you know, five foot by eight foot lighted signs, and I had hours put on it, but people still were afraid to come in because they were afraid they were going to interrupt. We have a a small farm, so they're afraid they're going to interrupt the small farm. Sure. But I sat in the store that we set up in my basement those hours and I had a little bit of sales but about October of 2009 I decided well we're going to go somewhere else and I just kind of fell into a place downtown Cleveland and it was an experience because we went from November of 2009 to November of 2010 and we had one of those those landlords and we'll just leave it at that we won't say the names i totally get it i had a few times i went in and to my business and there was no electricity or no water it was interesting so when it came for the lease to be renewed we prayed about it and said well we got to find somewhere and i found this place that i'm at now and i actually got here about an hour before somebody else was going to give a deposit gave a deposit and then over the weekend, I called all my friends and said, we're moving down the street. I wish I had a video of it because it would have been really neat because people were just pushing carts down the street, throwing stuff oh, in their cars, awesome. driving down. And it's a 3,000 square foot building. And we went from a 600 square foot to 3,000. So we put up curtains and stuff. And then we slowly built shelves and built walls and you know expanded, expanded, expanded. And then about a year ago, we have expanded all the way to the back door, so now we have two entrances, and that's how I got to 2022, but a lot of growth in between. I also yeah. did a now-defunct website, and I can't even remember the name of it, but they ended up, it was such a bad company, they ended up with a lot of lawsuits and stuff against them, and they were they were, I'm not even going to name it. I just thought of it, but I'm not going to name it. But they they were not what they promised, and they kept going up on their price like monthly. And 
and I don't even remember how I found you guys. It was not at market, but it was something maybe emailed or something because I didn't because sure. I didn't meet you guys until St. Louis market, like face to face. Yeah. But in 2009, I went with you guys. I'm number 438, and you guys got over 10,000 customers now. So when I call in and they ask me my number, I go, oh, it's 438. And they go, oh, you've been here longer than me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're an original on the, on the Lake Sun system, and, yeah. and, and we love and appreciate that. So tell us a little bit more, I guess, you know, looks like you've gone through a lot in trying to start Hyder Hangout, right? Through e-commerce, uh, different locations, and, and, you know, some pretty crazy growth. Tell us where the passion for quilting comes from. Like, where, oh. <laughs> where did that begin? How did you even say, yeah, I have a passion for quilting and, and selling quilt supplies and, and oh you know, engaging the customers in that way? So you want to know my whole life story? Ah, <laughs> uh, just, just a little bit about your passion Well, for when quilting. I was six years old, I started hand sewing. And by the time I was 10, I had a Barbie doll that had 500 hand sewn outfits. Okay, so it really is a life passion. Yes, and then when I was 12, I was somewhat of a geek. Actually, I think I was a really bad geek when I was in high school. I mean, I was in Latin club and, you know, honor society president. But my grandmother from Costa Rica, step-grandmother, taught me how to make a quilt when I was 12. And sad thing is we made the top, and the next day we were going to get up and quilt it. But for me, fabric, which is somewhat fluid, wasn't perfect enough, and my seams didn't match. I got up in the middle of the night, cut it all up into million pieces and threw it away. I wish for other beginning quilters, I still had my beginning quilt. Sure. But that was my first, you know, of course, I, I like creating and to me, quilting is an art. And so that's kind of my art. I've done a little bit of music and I've done a little bit of drawing and a little bit of painting and other crafts, but quilting has been an art. When I was in high school, I did work for a doctor in his laboratory, and then I graduated from high school, went off to college in Springfield, Missouri, and dropped out of college to get married. And we'll just say this right now, I've, I'm on my fourth marriage, and we've had ups and downs, and sure, sure. sometime, we'll, totally sometime get we'll get a book written, and, and it'll be interesting anyway. I can't wait. So when I was married to my first husband we decided i'd stay home so i did alterations that was back in the 70s when you had the leisure suits with the plaid yokes sure i'm sure that's way before your it's it's pre my era but, <laughs> but i know you've what you're seen, referring you've to. seen pictures probably he and i would have matching outfits and i i mean i did a lot of self-taught but actually when i was 18 i went to work at fine's department store in savannah georgia and for five years did alterations. And I was one of about 18 alteration girls. I was the youngest. And we had all kinds of girls that taught me everything they knew all the way up to we had an 82 year old that was doing the bridal beating. I think I've done a little bit of all kinds of sewing. Yeah. But the art part of quilting is what I liked. Had my own factory in Florida for a while, small quantity garment manufacturing with a screen sure. print component. Then I've been doing quilting until now. And like I said, in 2008, and I also, you know, I went to school, became a nurse, but I think some of the skills to use in nursing or healthcare, you're using in quilting, and it's also a stress relief. 
So I think there's sure. there's a lot of quilters that are nurses or, you know, healthcare professionals. I have yeah, I've found yeah, so that. There's, there's some crossover there. Yeah. And yeah. so then, did that answer your question, how I passion-wise, quilt-wise? It does. <laughs> I think the answer to that is it's been a lifelong passion for right. you, right? That you have really been around the sewing, quilting, crafting kind of space for so long that it just came natural to you to kind of open up a shop later on, you know, in that 2007, 2008 era and kind of gone from there. So I am curious as far as setting your shop apart, setting Hyder Hangout, what makes your shop different than other shops? We want our listeners to be able to, to hear this and think, oh, how do I set myself apart? How do I set my shop apart from the competitors in the area? Well, I think the hangout part, you know, hi- okay. Hyder Hangout, we encourage people to come in. I tell my employees, spend all the time you need to with a customer. There are some places you go in, and of course the big box, you go in, you can't find any help. We will spend up to an hour or two sometimes helping somebody find their fabric, figure out their measurements, whatever. And in the short term, the plus and minuses as far as time doesn't equal, it's still in the long term will. And we make friends rather than customers. We have quilt to your wilt one day a month we have classes we have clubs so i think if i had to put in one short little paragraph there that's what sets us apart sure so it sounds like you've done a lot to try to build these relationships with your customers or or you say friends right? right that they you've tried to create a space where they can feel safe to come spend time chat you know explore more right as far as their their quilting desires go and sewing because I have alteration skills and dressmaking sure. skills, and then I've got my sewing machine mechanic, and she is a dressmaker alterations, and she teaches the beginning sewing and teaches them how to make a vest or a apron or a, something like that. Okay. The and more has grown too, because <laughs> the whole name is Hider Hangout Quilt Fabric and more, and we've and more. Oof, yeah. Yeah, the and more has grown. I love that. And I think it's so fun because it adds some mystery to it, right? Like, what else does the Hyder Hangout have for me? Okay, so kind of going along that same line, tell us a little bit about how you have marketed that, right? Like, how have you told people this is a place to come, the Hyder Hangout, right? You know, Lots. what are you using to get the word out there? Well, I think the most effective one is the word of mouth. Of course, with the website, then I also have an Etsy store and an eBay store. One of those may go away sooner than later then we have a facebook page and we also do some facebook live i'm teaching for a while i had a talk show on a radio station in town here i think it was probably up to two and a half three years something like that and one thing led to another and he ended up closing his business but he's a dj and been a lifelong dj so we've been teaching dj rick how to quilt and that's on live on tuesday evenings on our facebook and so that's one way we've grown it and we encourage people to watch it live and then you know chime in with their comments or whatever i've done some videos in the past there was a tv station that i would go in once a week and do a quilting show i haven't tried mail outs but i do do coupons so like hand out coupons at quilt shows i'm involved in a quilt show at the quilt shop that is across the street from my shop and have been involved with that almost the whole time I've been open for business. Okay. I mean, Lots of you're ways. using tons of media, yeah. tons of media, right. right? I mean, all kinds of ways. Obviously, you know, you kind of 
hit on the very first thing. Word of the mouth is like always going to be one of the most effective ways, right. especially with a small business like yours, friends and friends of friends and cousins of friends and et cetera. And I think we all kind of know that, but maybe one of the more unexplored mediums that you referred to was TV advertising, because that's not something I think a lot of quilt shops are doing right now. So tell us, I mean, how have you seen that benefit your business? Well, it was a small local by six counties in the area. Sure. And I actually have the recordings of some of them with the link on my website. So some of those videos are able to be watched still. TV advertising in like the bigger TV stations, like one of the big ones in Chattanooga. I haven't done that budget-wise. I just couldn't stretch my budget enough to feel like I could sure. do that. You wanted to stay more local, and by doing that, you're able to maybe keep a lower budget, right? Because right. you're staying in your right. local counties. Right. If I went to the bigger Chattanooga station, which is reaches North Georgia and, and North Carolina and stuff, it would be a big chunk of change. <laughs> and that's probably also why I haven't bitten off doing a billboard yet, because those are kind of expensive too. Sure. No, I, I totally understand that. But I, I think it's fun to kind of explore the thought of TV advertising, knowing that, you know, so many quote shops are, are maybe not taking advantage of that. Today's episode is sponsored by Like So. Like So helps quilt and sewing stores manage all the pieces of their business. It's great for managing fractional yards and pre-cuts, tracking inventory in-store and online, and creating classes and events that live right on your website. Like So also has built-in tools for communicating with customers so you can keep them in the loop and coming back to your store. The Like So system integrates with some of the biggest names in the industry, like Moda, Checker, Michael Miller, and more to make your processes seamless and incredibly easy. Like So does all this and more. For listeners of this podcast, Like So is offering 50% off your startup costs. Click the link in the description or call 385-336-0698 to schedule a demo and redeem this offer. And now back to the show. All right, so Susan, I think we're gonna kind of switch, maybe shift gears here a little okay. bit from the advertising and marketing of your store to more of the general being a quilt retailer and, and some of the challenges that come with that. <laughs> so what would you say, you know, from your experience in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, you know, what's, what's one of the most difficult parts of being a quilt retailer? You know, what kind of challenges are you guys facing? Okay, one of the biggest things I tell anybody that comes is, oh, it must be great to be paid to quilt. Well, you get paid to sure. quilt, but you get paid to quilt for other people. You can't always do your own. Hmm. You also, if you open a quilt shop, you are not opening a place to quilt and have fun. You are becoming a business owner. Yes, and I've seen, 100%. I've seen lots of people who opened a quilt shop and within five, ten years closed it. Within 100 miles of me, there's probably 20 that I know of just thinking, you know, if I just started thinking off the top. Some of it, you know, some of those closings is COVID closed, um, but some of them it was just sure. the fact that they could never jump over to the idea, I'm a business owner first, a quilter second, which is yeah. anybody, any small business, and you know, the people open a embroidery shop, a painting shop, a garden shop, and they have to, if they're going to be successful, 
jump over from, hey, it's a hobby to, hey, it's a business, and business decisions are different than what you would make if it was just a hobby. That is such an important part of being a business owner, especially in the quilt the, and sewing space, is that it is sometimes really hard to separate that, especially when it is such a hobby and you view it as, in some ways, a hobby. And you have to step outside of that and say, okay, yes, I love to quilt, but also, you know, this is a business and I need to make those decisions, you know, that are best for the business and not best for kind of fueling my hobby, right? right. It, to your point, you're not being paid to quilt for yourself. You're being paid to quilt for other people or, you know, there's there's so many other aspects that, that come with owning a business, right? right? Taking care of your employees, managing your employees, you know, inventory and, you know, accounting. And I mean, as a, <laughs> as a small business owner, literally Ooh. everything in a business is on your mind. And so it's not like you could just show up to work and, you know, quilt and leave. Right? Right, there's right, there's right. so much more on your mind. And, and so I, I totally understand that as being one of the biggest challenges that you're going to face. If you can't multitask, uh, forget being a business owner. And you have to be flexible. I think the other thing that I have learned is trying to think about, well, there's certain ways to do things, but there's probably a better way and listening to everybody you could possibly listen to in the industry, in other quilt shops, in customers, employees, spouses, all of that. You have to listen to everybody else and take all the ideas, but <laughs> the buck stops here. I mean, you sure. know, if I don't do what I need to do and if I don't put my foot down and say, no, we can't do that because, and most of the time, you know, if I, I listen to other people's ideas and they say, well, you should do this, this, and this, and this, and I say, you know, that's a good idea. However, let's meld this together here. You're part of the idea of a way to put it on the shelf is great. Let's change it or, or you know, so you have to be very, very flexible and open to everybody else's ideas. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think that's a big reason why we're doing this podcast is for other quilt shop owners to be able to listen and we're going to have other owners on the podcast is to be able to hear from you guys and hear what's working and what are you what are you struggling with? Because ultimately hearing from other people and, and learning from their experiences, their failures and their successes is going to help us grow the most, I think, as, as quilt shop owners. Okay, so kind of moving forward here and something that's really interesting for me is you got kind of started in in maybe selling quilt and fabric in really kind of the boom of dot-com and e-commerce, right? right. Uh, you know, 2007, eBay's getting really big and, you know, Etsy kind of continues, you know, years down the road from that, you know, e-commerce. We've seen a lot of change in customer behavior in all industries, right? right. Quilt is right. not an exception to this. But then we saw, again, a big change in customer behavior when COVID happened, right? right? Oh I mean, 2020 was a was a weird year for all of us. Right. No matter what industry you were in, you know, kind of regardless of that, it touched everyone. So tell me a little bit about how your customer's behavior, or, or I guess you prefer to friends, right? Your friend's behavior. How did that change in the last couple of years? Right at first, see, my husband's self-employed too. So, and he's got some e-commerce and then he, he does recycling and he started out recycling of electronics but he's got actually an etsy store that has quote art supplies on it which okay. so i went home 
when when they said, oh, we're going to close all the shops, of course, everybody's going, oh, no, I'm going to die. You know, <laughs> you say, sure. oh, no, my shop's going to die. How am I going to pay rent if I have to be closed? And, you know, for sure. So we went home and we talked and he said, well, hopefully the online sales will be great. And then we looked and we thought, oh, curbside. So the Two days later, I look at my online sales and they skyrocketed. Oh my like gosh. skyrocketed. I mean, I went from, you know, a few a day to 20 to 50 a day. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> I had to bring my husband in because, you know, he knows how to package things. So he was sure. packaging four hours a day. And then I have my best friend that was making masks. And so I don't remember how many a day she was making, but lots, because people were coming. I actually had to turn away one order for 500 masks. And then another one, this company said, well, we're just gonna make three of the people that know how to sew, make masks, can you get us some kits? And I was able to procure elastic during that time because I wasn't doing the things like the big boxes were saying we need 20,000 yards at one order. I was doing, you sure. know, a couple rolls at a time. Mm. And the curbside. So at first it was a little difficult because everybody was just showing up and I was like, no, we can't do that. And I was getting enough curbside orders that I was doing every 30 minute curbside orders from most days from nine in the morning to six at night and you couldn't come before your 30 minutes because between the last 30 minutes and the next one, I was putting the orders together and getting them ready for sure. you to come. Sometimes I'd have a few ahead. And the, I really loved when Like So put that where you could go online and say, hey, store pickup. Yeah. When you guys changed that, I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. And you guys seem to do that where you listen to the rumblings on the ground and do something proactively. And so... April of 2020, my husband and I had one Sunday off, <laughs> and then oh May gosh. we had two Sundays off, and I don't remember how many days a week my girl was making masks and coming in and helping get the orders, and then my sewing machine mechanic was, people were getting sewing machines out of the closet, and so she was inundated that first year with sewing machine repairs and maintenance. Yeah listening to you, what I'm hearing is you needed to adapt, right? The bottom line was you had to adapt to what your customers wanted and you did, and you found huge success in it. And I think that speaks to, you know, really successful business owners adapt when they see a change in the market, a change in behavior, or, you know, heaven forbid, something as drastic as the pandemic, you see an adaption and that's what you did, right? The curbside pickup, it blew up because that's what people needed and that's what people wanted. Yeah. And, and being able to provide that for them is ultimately, I think, such a good sign of successful business owning, especially at kind of a small business level. Because, you know, we talk about big box stores and, and maybe not being able to adapt as quickly as small business owners are, right? right. Like you are the decision maker. You didn't have to send it to a board for approval and, you know, <laughs> get the shareholders approval and all this kind of stuff. Like it was you. You get to say, yeah, this is what we're going to have to change. And and your customers responded, it seems like, from what I'm hearing, really positively to that. Yeah, I know a few quilt shops that just closed 
I don't want to do curbside pickup, and I don't want to do that, and I don't want to do online. Yeah. So they just, they either retired early or closed for an extended period of time. You have to decide if you want to work that hard. And it is hard work when you have to adapt. And right now we've been going through a little downturn, big downturn. Sure. I don't know what. April and May was a lot slower than previous years. I haven't compared to way back. And June is still being a little slow. We aren't having as many travelers as we normally do. And we know that's because gas is high. But the last week, we've seen another small upturn on the purchasing online. So you have to be able to be quick and adapt. Yeah, well, let's explore that a little bit and talk about, you know, we're in June of 2022, right, is when we're recording this podcast. So let's kind of explore that pattern of behavior. You know, as we see, people are really wanting to get outside now, right? People are wanting to get out and do more because they've maybe felt like they weren't able to in the last couple of years. Well, no glasses, nobody coming in. And we we did do a block of the month this year, and we ended up with 28 people on it. Of course, we can't fit all all of them all at once in the classroom. But So we have more people coming to things like that and events, and there's going to be a shop hop. We did have a shop hop last July, and we're going to have one this July. We're hoping more people, not less, but who knows. We're hearing more people talking about carpooling rather than just going on the shop up by themselves. So they may be adapting as far as, well, let's save gas by going together. But there is a little bit less travelers than I've noticed in the past. Last summer, there was a little bit more travelers. Of course, there was hardly any in 2020. There was, you know, it was completely different 2020. 2021, you had a little bit more travelers. And mm-hmm. all this year... Travelers have been more, there's an upswing on that. We hope it continues. We just don't know what gas getting higher and higher is gonna do. I mean, sometimes you have to just get groceries and gas. And as my husband says, what's been happening the last two weeks is these people have been letting FedEx and USPS and UPS pay their gas instead of them coming in. So that's kind of what's going on. Yeah, no, I think that totally makes sense. And I think, you know, you touch on some more, really talking about the adaption piece of things is, I think people want to get out and do things and they also want to be with people. Right. And, and you kind of spoke to that, right? You're talking about your classes and the block of the month, the shop hops, right? You're going to do that with friends. And that's a big priority is people want to get out and do things and they want to be with their friends and be with their family. And that's one way that it sounds like you guys are really adapting to that is that, Maybe we don't have as many individual quilters saying, okay, I'm going to go to this store today by myself, buy, you know, (laughs) some jelly rolls and a piece of fabric, you know, and and go back to my house and I'm going to do my own quilt. Instead, I'm going to use quilting as a social event to be able to be with my friends and be with my family. And I think classes are maybe one of the best ways to fuel that. Is that kind of what you're seeing in your market? Yeah, that and our events. We do have once a month. For a while, we did not have it. Was the Quilt Do You Will bring in potluck food and come and hang out? And so some people come in and just visit the whole time. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and that's totally okay. And, And we actually have had more people that are doing other things than quilting coming into the quilt to you will crochet or embroidery and just sitting and visiting so that's been kind of cool i love that okay so susan we're kind of coming up on our time here i think 
parting thoughts, what I want to hear from you is if I'm a quilt shop owner and, and maybe I'm a new quilt shop owner or I'm, you know, struggling in my quilt shop, give us a piece of advice. You, you would say the one thing that, that you, they really need to do in their business to take it to the next level. Okay. One thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. There, there's so many because um, we've exp- – I mean, and, and I think we've tried to explore that over this podcast is all the different things that you've done to adapt to a changing market. Using all the – information that's out there and the big community that's out there to get ideas and not becoming so competitive with the quilt shop down the street or in the next county over as your competition. There are quilt shops that won't talk to me and that's not my choice. But there are quilt shop owners that think, well, I'm in competition with everybody in the world and you have to get your niche, your own niche, because you can't compete with everybody in the world. I can't compete with some of the online sellers on Etsy because they don't sure. have the overhead I have. So I just put my stuff on there at a reasonable price. And, you know, I do look and see what the market is bearing, but we pride ourselves with our relationships. You have to be open to all the ideas that are out there and making friendships with other quilt shop owners and vendors and suppliers and you know your fabric reps and whoever else you can other business owners that are not even in your industry i've learned a tremendous part i'm in the chamber and then i'm in main street cleveland and i'm also in a power lunch group and I listen to their struggles and what they do and apply it to my shop in its own way. I love that. I think from what I'm hearing from you is use your community right. and be a part of your community to build that niche, right? right? In your case, the Hider Hangout is to let people know this is a hangout, right? This is a place to come and enjoy time with your friends and, and with us. And so I just want to say huge thank you, Susan. Thank you for being on. All right. Um, Again, from Cleveland, Tennessee, right? right? Not Cleveland, Ohio. Well, there's Cleveland, also a Tennessee. Cleveland, Georgia. There's probably a Cleveland, Cleveland in almost Georgia. every state. Well, there you go. This one, Cleveland, Tennessee. Right. And it has been just an absolute pleasure to be able to chat with you today. Thank you so much for your time. All right. You're welcome. Anytime. Thank you for listening to The Quilt Shop. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating or review to let us know what you think. For more interviews with business owners, visit likeso.com slash interviews, where you'll find transcripts, show notes, and videos for all our episodes. Come, come, come.